Hey everyone, welcome to this week's conversation with Dr. Stephen Ned about the body and how to fix, protect, or maintain it using outside-the-box alternative solutions. If you're a big fan of the pharmaceutical or surgical approach, you are so in the wrong place because on this podcast, we're not going to be pushing the conventional medicine methods or way of thinking about health. If you're looking for another way to live longer and healthier, join me, Ron Ned, and my brother, Dr. Stephen Ned, for this week's body chat about hormones and the endocrine system. Me? I'm a retired Twin Cities chiropractor currently helping people buy and sell homes in the Tampa Bay and Los Angeles areas. My brother has a thriving chiropractic practice in the Clearwater area of Tampa Bay, Florida. In this podcast, we're going to chat about all sorts of topics related to health, nutrition, exercise, just about everything having to do with the body. You're invited to listen into our body chat, but don't forget that neither of us is giving you health advice. So don't rush off to do something without either checking with your doctor first or seeing Dr. Steven Nett as a patient at his office. Good evening, Steve. Good evening, Ron. Here we are almost at spring. I think it's what, three days left? Yeah, and it's St. Patty's Day too. And neither of us are wearing green. Okay, well, I'm going to have some green in my dinner, so that's going to be good enough for me. Sounds good. And listen, uh, before we get into that, I wanted to share a, a, an interesting win I had today. Okay. Yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm working on the podcast, and all of a sudden, there's like a swarm of flies in the house. And you know, I didn't leave the door open for any extended period of time, and uh, you know, even letting the dogs out with the sliding glass door. And I'm like, where are these flies coming up from? So I got the fly swatter out and I think I killed like at least 20 of them and they were still like, they're still flies. I'm like, what is going on here? So I spotted where the problem was and it's the sliding glass door in the back. There's like a little gap where they can like come in, in between the outside and the inside. Mm -hmm. and I have weather stripping there, but there's little gaps that they can get in. They were literally coming in for whatever reason. So I wanted to find some type of a repellent, but I didn't want to use chemicals so I went online and I found this recommendation of using several essential oils, which are lavender and peppermint, mm -hmm. along with witch hazel in water in a spray bottle, and then you spray it. So it just so happens, this is really crazy. Earlier this week, I bought this thing called Cool Mist Ultrasonic Aroma Diffuser. I got it at Walmart. Mm -hmm. And you put a few drops of essential oils in it, and it creates this mist, and it helps with freshening the air and getting good essential oils in there, you know, because I got dogs and there's a dog smell in the house. Mm -hmm. So it just so happens that I got a four pack of these essential oils, which includes lavender and peppermint. Wow. And I actually bought it earlier this week. I mean, how perfect is that? That's great. Yeah. So I took 10 drops of each, uh, put them into a squirt bottle with water, mixed them up real good. And then I sprayed on the inside in that little area and the outside in between the sliding glass doors. And wouldn't you know it, none of them came back. Wow. Yeah. So if anybody wants a natural fly repellent, then the essential oils, lavender and peppermint. And if you, you can get your hands on some witch hazel, but really I didn't need it for this. Mm -hmm. Plus water in a squirt bottle does the job. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's very good to know because now that the weather's warming up, it's going to be a lot more flies around. Yeah. And you can bring it to picnics too, stuff like that. That's true. All right. Well, moving from flies and witch hazel into the endocrine system. It's a perfect segue, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. 
Now that we're going to talk about this, how would you give somebody a simple explanation for what the endocrine system is? All right. The endocrine system is simply a collection of glands and organs in the body that secrete chemicals called hormones that control the various functions of the body's cells, tissues, and organs. All right. Well, that's very simple. Mm-hmm. Now, there's hormones, which are secreted by the glands and the organs and the endocrine system. What's a basic description of what a hormone is? A uh, hormone is basically a chemical that acts like a messenger molecule in the body. It's produced by a gland or organ and circulates throughout the body through the bloodstream to affect the activity of certain cells or organs known as target sites. So in simple terms, hormones are basically messengers that control and coordinate various activities throughout the body. The best number that I can come up with in researching the total number of hormones produced in the human body is approximately 50. Okay. So basically hormones are like traffic cops. They're telling other things in the body where they're supposed to go, what they're supposed to do and that type of thing. Sort of. Yeah. They're just basically messengers that, that tell others what to do. They, they send uh, messages from one area to another. All right. So that's different because the nervous system also does that, but this is more of a chemical system of messaging. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now what organs and glands are part of the endocrine system? Well, the glands that make up the endocrine system include the brain glands, which are the hypothalamus, pineal gland, and pituitary gland. And then there's the thyroid gland, parathyroid gland, thymus gland, and adrenal glands. Mm -hmm. There's also the reproductive organs, the female ovaries and the male testes and prostate gland. And finally, the liver and pancreas, which are classified as organs as well as glands. Right. By the way, the difference between an organ and a gland is that an organ is a self-contained group of tissues in the body that performs a specific function, such as, you know, the heart pumping blood and the stomach digesting food, whereas a gland is a type of organ that produces hormones or other chemicals. And I thought it'd be good to clarify the difference between the two types of glands, okay. endocrine and exocrine. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so we already went over the fact that endocrine glands secrete hormones directly into the bloodstream and these travel through the circulation to a remote target tissue. Well, exocrine glands differ from them because they contain what are called ducts, which are tubes that carry substances from one place to another. They also don't produce hormones, but rather other substances that your body needs to function, including enzymes. So examples of exocrine glands are your salivary glands, sweat glands, and mammary glands. So glands that can do both, which is produce hormones and enzymes are called mixocrine glands, and they include the liver and pancreas. Okay. So there's endocrine, exocrine, and mixocrine. Mm-hmm. All right. So those are the three types. Now, what function do each of these glands and organs play in the endocrine system? All right. Well, let's start with the hypothalamus. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a tiny gland in the brain about the size of an almond but it's known as the master switchboard and master gland because it's the part of the brain that controls the endocrine system. Oh. Yeah, so what it is is a supervising center in the brain that links together the body's two control systems, the nervous system and the endocrine system. Okay. And it's also responsible for maintaining your body's internal balance, which is known as homeostasis. 
Right. And that's an important thing. Oh, yeah. All right. The pineal gland is a small P-shaped gland located deep in the center of the brain. And its main purpose is to produce and secrete a hormone called melatonin, which we'll go over in just a bit. That's a very important one, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, the pituitary gland is also a pea-sized gland that is also sometimes called the master gland, just like the hypothalamus, since it also controls the function of many other uh, endocrine glands via its many hormones. Okay. The thyroid gland is a vital hormone gland that plays a major role in the metabolism, growth, and development of the body. The parathyroid glands are four tiny glands, each the size of a grain of rice. And they're located next to the thyroid gland in the neck. That's pretty small. I know. Well, you know, they have nothing to do with the thyroid gland or its hormones, even though they're called parathyroid. But para means around or near. Right. So that's just having to do with their location. Exactly. Uh, their purpose is regulating calcium levels in the body. Mm -hmm. Then we have the thymus gland, which is a very important part of the immune system since it produces what are called T cells or T lymphocytes but it's also an endocrine gland since it produces a hormone that stimulates the development of the T-cells. Okay. And then we come to the adrenal glands. These are also known as the suprarenal glands because they're located on top of the kidneys. Uh, the adrenals are the body's primary stress glands and have many, many functions that we'll cover when we look at the primary hormones that they secrete. Okay. Next up is the ovaries, and these are the female reproductive glands that are oval-shaped and about the size of a grape. Uh, in addition to producing and releasing eggs, they also produce hormones that are vital to normal reproductive development and fertility. And the male counterpart to these are the testes. Their primary function is the production of sperm, but they also produce the male hormone testosterone. Right. Then we have the prostate gland, which is a solid chestnut-like gland that is situated under the bladder in the male, and its primary function is the production and secretion of part of the seminal fluid. By the way, the female counterpart to the prostate gland is the uterus, which is not a gland, but rather a reproductive organ, and it happens to contain uterine or endometrial glands, which are tubular glands, and this classifies them as exocrine glands instead of endocrine glands. Oh, okay. And then finally, the last two are the liver, which is both an endocrine gland and an exocrine, exocrine gland since it produces hormones and enzymes, and it has over 500 functions. Wow. Yeah, the, the liver also happens to be the largest solid organ and the largest hormone gland in the body. And very important, and it's one of the key points that is addressed in Dr. Berg's Seven Principles of Fat Burning, which we just went over the last couple episodes. Good point. Exactly. And then the pancreas, again, is also an endocrine and exocrine gland since it produces hormones that regulate blood sugar and enzymes that help digest fats, carbohydrates, and proteins. Good point. All right. So those are the various different glands. We're going to be going over those in separate episodes in more detail. But let's talk about the main hormones produced by these glands and organs and what they do. All right. Well, we'll start from the top again, the hypothalamus. Mm -hmm. This one's really interesting. It produces releasing and inhibiting hormones, which stop and start the production of other hormones throughout the body. Uh, these hormones work with the pituitary gland to stimulate or inhibit the release of hormones in the pituitary as well as other glands, including 
the thyroid, adrenals, and reproductive glands. So an example is thyroid releasing hormone, which triggers the release of thyroid stimulating hormone or TSH in the thyroid gland. And that stimulates the release of thyroid hormones. Okay. Another example is growth hormone releasing hormone, which signals the pituitary to release growth hormone mm -hmm. and growth hormone inhibiting hormone, which does the opposite. Ah, yeah. Another hypothalamus hormone is antidiuretic hormone, which increases water absorption into the blood by the kidneys. Mm. And the hypothalamus also secretes oxytocin, which is involved in a number of things, including body temperature, sleep cycles, and the release of breast milk. Right. Then we get to the pineal gland. And the only, the only hormone that the pineal gland produces is melatonin, which helps to maintain the circadian rhythm as well as regulate reproductive hormones. So the circadian rhythm is our body's internal clock. It's basically a 24-hour sleep-wake cycle, and this explains why people are mo most alert when the sun is out and more ready to sleep when it's dark outside. Light exposure it stops the release of melatonin, whereas melatonin levels increase when it's dark, and that's why people take melatonin at bedtime to help them fall asleep and stay asleep. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, the pituitary gland often works along with the hypothalamus to affect other endocrine glands. And instead of producing releasing hormones like the hypothalamus, it produces stimulating hormones to stimulate other hormone glands to produce their hormones. Okay. So, for example, it produces thyroid stimulating hormone to stimulate the thyroid to produce thyroid hormones. And that's TSH. And you'll see that often when you get blood work done for your thyroid. It's one of the thyroid hormones that they test. Right. Uh, it also produces follicle-stimulating hormone, which works with another hormone that it produces called luteinizing hormone to ensure normal functioning of the ovaries and testes. Correct. Uh, the pituitary gland also produces growth hormone, which is vital for normal growth in children and healthy bone and muscle mass, as well as fat distribution in adults. Okay. The pituitary also secretes prolactin, which stimulates breast milk production. Mm -hmm. And it also makes adrenal corticotropic hormone, ACTH, which stimulates the adrenals to produce cortisol when you're stressed. Mm. And just like the hypothalamus, it also produces antidiuretic hormone and oxytocin. Okay. Now, uh, the two main hormones produced by the thyroid are T3 and T4, and these help to regulate the body's metabolism. Mm-hmm. A normal functioning thyroid produces a ratio of 80% T4 and 20% T3, even though T3 is the stronger and more active hormone of the pair. Okay. The thyroid gland also produces the hormone calcitonin, which helps to control blood calcium levels by lowering them, which is the opposite effect of the hormone produced by the parathyroid glands called parathyroid hormone which increases the level of calcium in the blood through the release of it from the bones. All right, so those two kind of balance each other out. Exactly. Uh, this hormone also regulates how much calcium is absorbed from your diet, excreted by your kidneys, and stored in your bones. Okay. And parathyroid hormone also increases the formation of active vitamin D, which increases intestinal calcium and phosphorus absorption. All right. Then we get to the thymus gland, which produces the hormone thymosin. Mm -hmm. which, yeah, and this stimulates the development of specific white blood cells called T cells. 
Right. So it has a key role in your body's immunity and fighting off disease. That's right. And now the adrenal glands, which actually have two parts, and these produce hormones that handle a wide variety of body functions. Mm -hmm. So let's start with the cortex. This produces cortisol, also known as hydrocortisone, and that helps regulate metabolism, blood pressure, cardiovascular function, and how your body responds to chronic stress. Mm -hmm. Then there's corticosterone, which works with cortisol to regulate the immune response and reduce inflammation. Okay. And then we have aldosterone, which balances salt and water in the body along with controlling blood pressure. Mm -hmm. And the cortex also produces uh, small amounts of the female and male sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. Correct. So then the other part of the adrenals, the medulla, produces epinephrine, also known as adrenaline, as well as norepinephrine, which work together to help your body react to acute stress. Exactly. All right, next up, the primary hormones produced by the ovaries are the female sex hormones, estrogen and progesterone, which are vital to normal reproductive development and fertility. Right. They also produce the hormone relaxin, Mm -hmm. which is released during pregnancy just before childbirth since it relaxes the ligaments in the pelvis and softens and widens the cervix. Mm -hmm. Now, this is interesting. Uh, the ovaries also produce about 25% of a woman's testosterone, mm -hmm. while the adrenals produce another 25%. So the remaining 50% is produced in the peripheral tissues from the various precursors produced in the ovaries and adrenal glands. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the primary hormone produced by the testes is testosterone, which is the primary male hormone and is necessary for proper physical development in boys and in men, uh, the maintenance of libido, muscle strength, and bone density. Right. Uh, the testes, just like the adrenals in men, also produce the female dominant hormones, estrogen and progesterone. And the primary way that estrogen is produced in the male body is actually by testosterone being converted to estrogen by an enzyme called aromatase. Hmm. Yeah. I must have slept through that part of that class because I don't remember that enzyme. Everything else you've gone over, I remembered. I didn't remember that part. Mm-hmm. All right. We're on to the prostate gland. Mm-hmm. And this is a borderline endocrine gland since its main function is not the production of hormones, but rather the production of a fluid that partly makes up male semen. Mm-hmm. It also produces a hormone-like substance called spermine, which improves sperm motility or their ability to move. Okay. And the prostate also converts testosterone to the infamous DHT or dihydrotestosterone, which helps to stimulate the development of male characteristics. But it's downside, and you know this one well, mm -hmm. that it can cause hair follicles to miniaturize, leading to male pattern baldness. Right, because it attaches to them and it starts to basically tell them time to shut down boys yep you got it let's cover the mixocrine glands now which is uh, the liver and pancreas the liver has over 500 jobs and that includes the production of at least four hormones which are igf1 also known as insulin-like growth factor one which stimulates growth in the body especially the bones hmm. angiotensinogen which raises blood pressure mm-hmm Thrombopoietin, which stimulates the production of platelets in the blood, mm -hmm. and hepcidin, which blocks the release of iron into the body fluids. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And then finally, the pancreas. Uh, it produces five hormones, but the two primary hormones are insulin and glucagon. Right. Insulin, as you know, regulates blood sugar or blood glucose levels by allowing many of the body's cells to absorb and use glucose. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, as we learned in our previous podcast episodes covering the seven principles of fat burning, insulin also converts the rest of the sugar that's left over and not stored into fat and cholesterol. Right. Plus, the body will not be able to burn fat when insulin is consistently found in the blood. Hmm. That's a high-carb diet, basically. That's right. Now, glucagon is a fat-burning hormone and opposes the action of insulin. Uh, it controls blood sugar between meals and is stimulated by dietary protein and intense exercise. Cool. So those are the most important or best-known hormones. Now, what kind of physical conditions come about because of there being an excess or deficiency or even an imbalance of hormones? Well... I'm just going to list these and briefly describe a few of them because we could do several podcasts just on these disorders by going into detail on them. And I think we are going to cover them more in the future. Exactly. Okay. Let's start with pituitary conditions. Uh, a tumor in the pituitary can cause it to make too much ACTH, which can result in Cushing disease, or it can make too much growth hormone resulting in acromegaly. Which is? That's when the body uh, is much, much larger than, you know, I mean, I think Andre the Giant, Andre the Giant, the famous wrestler had acromegaly. So your bones and your structure is much larger than an average person. Right. There's a bunch of thyroid conditions due to thyroid hormone imbalances too. Obviously, there's hypothyroidism, which is extremely common and due to too little thyroid hormone production. And then there's the opposite, hyperthyroidism, which is due to too much thyroid hormone production. Yeah, and somebody with hypothyroid will typically be overweight, will be sluggish and so on, whereas somebody with hyperthyroid is probably going to be uh, underweight and very hyperactive. Mm -hmm. well, one of the causes of hyperthyroidism is Graves' disease, which is an autoimmune condition that causes the thyroid to produce too much thyroid hormone. Mm-hmm. Goiters of the thyroid can be due to either an iodine deficiency or as a side effect of hyperthyroidism. Yeah, and that's a large swelling. Mm -hmm. There's also five types of thyroiditis, which is inflammation of the thyroid, uh, with the most notorious being Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is an autoimmune condition. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, another common disorder of the thyroid is thyroid cancer, but the good news is long-term su survival rates are excellent. That's good. Now, parathyroid hormone imbalance conditions include hyperparathyroidism, hypoparathyroidism, and osteoporosis, which is due to too much parathyroid hormone being released, also known as hyperparathyroidism. And this causes your bones to release calcium constantly into the bloodstream. Mm. Any of the parathyroid conditions are going to affect the calcium levels. That's right. Now, the two most notorious adrenal gland conditions resulting from hormone imbalances are Addison's disease, which is due to underproduction of the adrenal hormones cortisol and aldosterone, and Cushing syndrome, also known as Cushing disease, which can also be caused by the pituitary that we just went over a second ago. And this is the opposite of Addison's because it's due to overproduction of cortisol. Okay. Another interesting adrenal-related condition that I see quite frequently in my practice since I look for it is orthostatic hypotension. Mm -hmm. 
And that's when a person's blood pressure doesn't rise when they stand up from a lying position, but instead stays the same or decreases, which can lead to dizziness and lightheadedness or potentially a fainting spell. Okay. And the adrenal hormone adrenaline is responsible for raising the blood pressure when a person changes their body position from lying to standing so that blood you know, can flow upwards against the force of gravity and get to the brain. Okay. Yeah, when adrenaline is insufficient, this reaction can occur and can be diagnosed easily by checking someone's blood pressure, first lying down and then immediately standing up. Now, common ovarian hormone conditions include menstrual disorders, osteoporosis due to menopause, and ovarian cysts, which include polycystic ovary syndrome. And fortunately, ovarian cancer is one of the rarer forms of cancer. But symptoms usually don't become apparent until this cancer has progressed into the later stages. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, the main hormonal issue associated with the testes is what's called hypogonadism, which is basically having too low testosterone levels, which can result in decreased sex drive, reduced muscle mass, low sperm count, and loss of body hair. Okay. Now, hormonal problems with the prostate gland in men result in prostatitis, benign prostatic hypertrophy or non-life-threatening enlargement of the prostate, and prostate cancer. Okay. And, you know, we learned in the seven principles of fat burning that the liver is responsible for all of the fat, burn, uh, the fat burning hormones. So a toxic liver can result in excess fat being deposited in the body, leading to obesity. Mm-hmm. And then finally, imbalances with the pancreas hormone insulin can result in hypoglycemia or type 1 or type 2 diabetes. Exactly. All right. Now, what are the main causes of hormonal imbalance, excess, or deficiency? I realize there's a lot of different glands and a lot of different hormones, but is there any common threads? Yes. Yeah, there are. Man, there are too many to list, but I'll go through the major ones. And... Um, you know, many of the disorders that I just listed can either cause hormonal balances or be the result of hormonal balances. Mm -hmm. So there's like a chicken and egg thing going on there. Okay. So, you know, basically the most common agreed upon causes are stress, side effects from medications, injury or trauma, eating disorders, aging, which includes menopause in women, under or over exercising poor diet, chemotherapy, and a hysterectomy in women. Okay. Again, a toxic liver can definitely cause hormone problems, especially the fat-burning hormones. And of course, principle number four of the seven principles of fat-burning, which is environmental hormones and chemicals mimic your hormones. So I emphasized in the first podcast covering the seven principles of fat-burning that unless you eat grass-fed organic meat, pasture-raised organic poultry, pasture-raised organic eggs, or fish caught in the wild, then you're likely eating foods that have been exposed to man-made environmental hormones on a regular basis, including growth hormones and estrogens. And speaking of estrogens, chemicals that disrupt the endocrine system because they have an estrogen-like effect are called xenoestrogens. Hmm. Yeah, these are found in everyday items such as uh, insecticides, plastic products, cosmetics, and even certain foods. And they include the food preservative BHA, parabens, 
and the sunscreen chemicals oxybenzone and benzophenone. Wow. Yeah. You know, all of these toxic chemicals I just went over that are in our environment are bunched into a category called endocrine disruptors, which mimic, block, or disrupt the normal function of hormones. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd like for us to leave a link in the podcast notes to the outstanding organization that we've left links to before, the Environmental Working Group. And, you know, remember, we linked with them for healthy sunscreens as well as the Dirty Dozen and Clean 15 Fruits and Vegetables. Mm-hmm. I remember. Okay, good. Well, you know, they also have what's called the Dirty Dozen Endocrine Disruptors, which is their list of 12 of the worst hormone-altering chemicals and how to avoid them. Okay. We should definitely have that in there. Okay. Didn't you also mention in one of the last few episodes about in Europe that if a fertilizer or a chemical that's supposed to be used has any type of an action that's a hormone disruptor that it's not allowed to be used? Exactly. Okay. Now, with all these various different hormonal problems, what does the typical medical approach consist of? The standard medical approach to hormone issues is medications. Mm -hmm. For example, hormone replacement therapy is given for hormone problems, especially with menstrual issues and during perimenopause and menopause. Mm -hmm. uh, insulin is given for type 1 diabetes and sometimes severe type 2 diabetes. Right. And thyroid medications like Synthroid and Armor Thyroid are used to treat hypothyroidism. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I can't argue with certain things like insulin for somebody that has diabetes. That's, uh, that has to occur because if the blood sugar isn't brought under control, you can have a person who's dead within a few minutes. Right. All right. So now what are some of the risks of those medications that are prescribed for the hormonal issues? Well, all these medications have side effects, and there are many risks to taking them, which depend on the type of hormone therapy, the dose, and how long the medication is taken. And unfortunately, when it comes to hormone replacement therapy medications, many times the risks outweigh the benefits. In fact, according to the National Cancer Institute, menopausal hormonal replacement therapy, also known as postmenopausal hormone replacement therapy, or just simply hormone replacement therapy, mm -hmm. has been shown through medical studies to increase the risk in women for vaginal bleeding, urinary incontinence, dementia, strokes, blood clots, and heart attacks. <laughs> Great. As far as cancer is concerned, women who take estrogen alone have a higher risk for endometrial cancer than women who take estrogen plus synthetic progesterone called progestin, also known as Provera. Mm -hmm. However, women who take estrogen plus progestin are more likely to be diagnosed with breast cancer than those who take estrogen alone. So you can't win either way. No. Yeah. Uh, the other problem with these particular hormone medications is that, that they're synthetic, which means that they're made from a variety of plants and animals, or they can be made in the lab. So the chemical structure of these hormones is similar, but not identical to those of the hormones produced by women's bodies. Mm -hmm. There are actually what are called bioidentical hormones available, and I recommend these even though the FDA doesn't approve them since they say that claims that these products 
are safer or more natural than FDA-approved hormonal products are not supported by credible scientific evidence? Well, you know, not yet because, you know, these are newer to the market and the companies that make them likely don't have anywhere near the money of the big drug companies to do multi-million dollar studies on them. So just because they haven't done expensive tests on them to prove their value and safety doesn't mean that they aren't legit. Right. Now, getting back to these synthetic hormones... Let's take a look at the most notorious synthetic estrogen drug called Premarin. Mm -hmm. All right. Would you like to take a guess at how they came up with that name? No, you can tell us about that. Okay. (laughs) You're going to love this. Mm -hmm. It actually stands for pregnant mare's urine. Ah. And for those of you who don't know what a mare is, that's a female horse. Mm -hmm. Yes. It comes from horse pee. Isn't that (laughs) just lovely? Yeah. Well, I'm sure that's what most women were hoping it was made of. I mean, they should do a study to determine if women who take this crave more carrots and apples and have more hair growing on their upper back and mid neck. That's bad. I mean, just, I know it is dumb. You know, seriously, it's no wonder why there are all kinds of side effects from taking this drug considering its source. Right. Okay. Well, now that we've looked at that, we know that something like insulin is not something you want to mess around with, but a lot of these other medications, especially the ones that are hormone replacement therapy for female hormones, are not very safe. So are there any supplements that can help with some of these problems? Well, again, I can write a book on all these since these, you know, this covers dozens of conditions. So I'm Mm -hmm. going to give some general recommendations with a few examples. Okay. And then when we go into each of them in more detail, we can get more information. Sure. Well, the one thing I learned in practice for underactive hormone gland issues is that organic glandulars, which are supplements that contain the actual glands of animals, uh, mostly of bovine origin, which is primarily cows, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, these work incredibly well to nourish and rehabilitate our underperforming glands because they contain the building blocks of our own glands since cows and humans share 80% of the same genes. Okay. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, what's the difference between taking horse hormones and eating the glands of another animal? Right. What are the differences? Well, you know, when you consume a glandular as a food supplement, it's basically like eating it as a food, just like, let's say, cow liver. Mm -hmm. Your body takes that and uses it to nourish its own liver. Right. However, when you take another animal's hormones, well, these might be similar to ours, but not exactly, and they can potentially result in side effects. Okay. One of my favorite glandular supplements is Ovex-P made by Standard Process. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's made from organic pig ovaries, and it's outstanding for balancing the female hormones and supporting ovarian function. Right. And again, it's not the hormones that they're taking. It's the building blocks coming from that animal's actual similar organ. Right. To support your ovaries. Correct. My other favorite glandular supplement is core level adrenal from NutraWest, which works incredibly well for underactive adrenal gland issues. And it works remarkably well for helping turn around people with chronic fatigue syndrome due to exhausted adrenal glands. Okay. Uh, Another outstanding group of hormone balancing supplements are adaptogens. These are super herbs and mushrooms that have been used for centuries in Chinese and Ayurvedic medicine 
to help uh, the body restore balance and to combat stress and adrenal fatigue. Mm -hmm. So they include ginseng, holy basil, ashwagandha, astragalus root, licorice root, rhodiola, and cordyceps mushrooms. Hmm. Yeah. Vitamins and minerals are also very important for balancing hormones. Uh, we went over the connection of the various vitamins and minerals to hormones in our previous podcasts on these nutrients. Mm -hmm. uh, remember, iodine is essential for making thyroid hormones, so an iodine deficiency can result in hypothyroidism. Right. Yeah, so supplementing with iodine in the form of food, uh, which would be dulse or kelp, mm -hmm. or in actual supplement form, preferably liquid, is necessary for many, many people. Okay. And, you know, we also covered all of the vital uses of vitamin D, but I don't believe that I mentioned that it's not just classified as a vitamin, but also a hormone. Is it really? Yeah. The kidneys produce it in a hormone form, which then primarily regulates blood calcium levels and the immune system. Mm. Very interesting. I didn't know that either. Mm -hmm. Now, besides supplements, are there any other natural or alternative therapies that can help with hormonal problems? Yes. Uh, in addition to taking supplements, it would be wise to do regular detoxification procedures, especially focusing on the liver since it's the largest detox organ and gland in the body. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, Dr. Berg's liver enhancement step in his seven principles of fat burning, which is now the new body type guide, is an excellent dietary approach. Other good detox approaches include the liver gallbladder flush, mm -hmm. master cleanse, and Dr. Schultz's 30-day detox, which is good for the bowel, liver, and kidneys. Wow. Yeah. It would also be wise to look at your diet and personal care products to determine if you're consuming or ex are exposed to endocrine disruptors. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can even get tested to see if you have high levels of these, including glyphosate. You know, I, I did this recently through the Great Plains Laboratory, and since I eat primarily organic, which includes growing my own herbs, vegetables, and some fruits. My number came out very favorable, and the lab tech that I talked to said my glyphosate levels were at a really nice level that they rarely see. Wow. So I was pretty happy about that. That's really good. Mm -hmm. And the best way to, to determine your hormone levels is through a combination of blood and saliva tests. Mm -hmm. uh, most of the hormones can be tested through the blood, but some of them are tested easier through the saliva since hormones like cortisol should be tested at least four times a day to see their normal fluctuation levels. And uh, women of childbearing years should also test their female hormones on different days of their cycle. Mm. So it's easier to do that through saliva. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, and if hormones are found to be low and supplements are unable to handle them, then working with a licensed health professional that can prescribe bioidentical hormones may be your best option. Uh, you know, it's obviously much better to take hormones that are identical to our body hormones than horse hormones found in Premarin. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, you know, most males produce less testosterone starting at around age 30 and especially after age 50. So if supplements aren't doing the trick as far as boosting it, then bioidentical testosterone given in the correct form and amounts based on each individual's deficiency can also be effective. Okay. Very good. Now, is there anything else you'd like to say about this topic before we end? No, I think that's enough. Uh, I'm sure we'll go into more details on hormones in the upcoming episodes focusing on the various hormone glands. 
Yes, we definitely will, because we're going to be starting next week with the adrenal glands, and then we'll be moving on from there. And after we do all of those, we're going to get into a little bit of a different topic, but in a way it's related, and that has to do with psychiatric drugs, because they're being used more and more for dealing with emotions that people have that are deemed inappropriate or need to be under control. And the thing is that the endocrine system and hormones have a lot to do with people's emotional reactions. So as we go through the different endocrine glands and organs, we'll take a look at not just physical conditions, but also how it might affect people emotionally so that when we do get to that topic on psychiatric drugs, people will have a better understanding that it's not just something that happens out of the blue. So next week, we're going to start with the adrenal glands and we'll go from there. Sounds good. Excellent. Thanks, Steve. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us this week on the Body Chat Podcast. We both really appreciate your time and your attention. We want to provide you with interesting and informative episodes each week. And if you have a topic you'd like us to cover or any questions you'd like us to answer, send an email to us at info at bodychatpodcast.com. That's info at bodychatpodcast.com. To make sure you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, subscribe to the Body Chat Podcast now on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. See you next week.